Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? We have Jaime back on the show, and uh, naturally, after a new MacBook comes out, we got to get all of the opinions from Mr. Apple himself. Now, what's funny about this, though, is that I'm becoming more and more Apple, maybe in the walled garden is the best way to put it, because with this MacBook Pro 14 that I'm currently recording this and we both recorded this show on, I also have, like, the Apple Watch on. I'm obviously on an iPhone 13 Pro at the moment, still working on my reviews of that um but also uh, it's just this whole ecosystem where everything just sort of blends together and works in congruence with one another it's pretty interesting and i had to sort of take a step back and realize wow uh, life has really changed for me with all that said though we do talk about some non-apple stuff uh, and we get some thoughts from jaime and myself of course in regards to the pixel 6 and the pixel 6 pro plenty to talk about there so let's go ahead and get into this episode of the pocket now weekly podcast enjoy god i love this microphone <laughs> you've, you've been getting a lot of like microphone education recently <laughs> dude it's great. been the best i was like okay yes my usb interface was okay i don't know what it is about the granularity of being able to have a separate recorder with multiple tracks mm-hmm. and those pencil microphones just how crisp they are regardless of how far i place them like They've changed everything for me. Like we're we're now recording the daily with the pencil microphones, which we didn't do before. In yeah, the past it was go. all labs. It um, just has to be um, a treated room because I will admit, like, because I have what basically amounts to a pencil mic right now. But if the aircon either here or in another room turns on, that hum is everywhere. So it's a little. It can get a little frustrating at times. But you're good at audio editing anyway. No, but I don't do any editing because I put a background track. And so the music pretty much just mm. pulls, even if those microphones have a high noise floor, like, uh, dude, like the music just drowns it out. And so I don't need to play with anything. Mm. Well, I'm going to have to. Actually, I have actually never edited an audio track in my life, ever. Oh, really? Like, ever. Never. Oh, okay. Never. I, I fell all... down that. I fell down that rabbit hole at the end of last year just because, like, I was in my bedroom for most of the videos and I just kept thinking, you know what? I got to make sure the audio is better here and I can't change my room. Like there's not much I can change about it. No, but in your bedroom, I mean, in the United States, do you have a carpet? It's, there's a bed, like all those, like, but at least the bed will like absorb most of it. So you're fine. It did. It was really a reverb. That was the biggest problem. Um, yeah. So, because I'm up against the wall, so I kept reverbing <laughs> off the wall. Anyway, this is super like like techie, not really techie. It's like creator talk, which is fine. Um, chance for you and I to catch up. The last time you were on, Isa was here, but of course she's no longer uh, next to me. So, I know. Um, kudos to her, you. though. <laughs> oh, why? Because she actually. Because she actually organized your office in ways you had never thought you would ever do. You are going to have such a good time the next time you actually are here. Because, yeah, it's there's actually an area to hang out and film even there. I, I'm filming a lot of my B-roll in that little nook now. Welcome to relationship life. <laughs> I give her all the credit. Like, literally with, nothing with, that I did. With, with a cleanup freak. Oh, God. I could tell yeah. you stories. well a lot has happened since that last call that we did with the three of us um Mm. and i was also saying kudos to Issa because she just got out her video on what i'm assuming we're both using as well which is the new macbook 14 (laughs) oh my god what what model does she get uh base super base okay okay i don't think you need okay um is she using final cut pro yes i am having serious issues with final cut pro why? 
Um, and I don't know if it's my Motion VFX plugins. I don't know if it's my... Um, it, it looks like if it doesn't like external hard drives. Um, I am seriously about to wipe the computer, which I'm using right now to, to make this recording, and just start clean. I don't know what it is. But I, my experience has been amazing for everything other than the reason why I bought it, which is video editing. And it's not that the video editing process is bad. Um, it's actually pretty good once you get Final Cut to run. It just takes forever for it to run. And I don't even think it's a Final Cut problem. It's either my plugins or it's Monterey. Because mm. with the M1s, like, here's the thing. Like, the other day, <laughs> I posted a tweet that got a little controversy because I was like, I'm seriously curious over who on earth an M1 Max is for. <laughs> then, oh, yeah. You I, know, saw that. I, I I got a lot of critique over that, and it wasn't me trying to like bash or shame people who were getting the Max. It's just after using the M1 for a year, I don't understand how you can get any better than that because obviously our frame of reference is everything we knew from Intel and AMD, and then comes the M1 and just obliterates everything. And so if that was already better, how... And then now you get the M1 Pro, which is like stacked up and beefed up, but then you get the Max. And I'm like, if I was perfectly fine with a base 8 gigabyte model, I'm like, now that I have 16, I'm like, who on earth would ever need 64? If I was fine with 8, who needs 64? And I love that Jonathan Morrison responded, and he's like, he's sort of like, no, I wasn't trying to shame your tweet. I'm like, I know, buddy. I know. I just, I'm being honest. I'm... I'm wondering who this computer is for. Yeah. And he gave me a couple of examples of 3D rendering and even music editing, where, of course, if you are a production studio, if you're right now editing what you used to do in a Mac Pro, then I can totally understand who the M1 Max is for, which none of us on this podcast are. Mm -hmm. Like, we edit videos on YouTube. Like, we don't do stuff that complicated. Yeah. Do you think your do you think your motion VFX stuff kind of ate up the RAM though? Because that's the one part that I get a little bit weird about is sixteen no. gigs. Is... No, so here you have to remember I use the eight gig M one. Oh, that's true. And I would do motion track like it would not chug even with motion tracking. It would not chug with stabilization. It would not chug with the timeline. Nothing. Like it it was funny when I would grab my sixty four gig Intel I nine. 64 gigs of RAM, by the way. Mm -hmm. I would grab that 64 gig i9, and then I would grab the M1, and I would throw in the same files for it to ingest, and then I would throw them in the timeline, and you know that it'll do a background render on FCPX. Yep. Dude, you would notice, like, you, immediately you would grab on to something, because the i9 was about to take off, dude. Like, immediately, <laughs> the fans would be like, we are here, dude, and they would just immediately take off, and then the like all the resources would choke up and then you would see it slowly bite like there's an indicator at the top that tells you how far the render is going and so it would just like slowly go go like point by point then you would do that same thing on the M1 and then you would just throw in the file and immediately you would see the render disappear and i was like what the that like that was my first experience with M1 and so so no, it's not the RAM. It's mm. definitely not the RAM. I do think that, that it's something to do with Monterey because we had no issues. Like, here's the thing. M1 Pro, it didn't come out with Big Sur. And so 
we had no issues with our M1s with Big Sur and the plugins. But then when we upgraded our computers to um, when we upgraded our computers to um, uh, Monterey, that's the moment where Final Cut just started crashing like crazy until we deleted the plugins. Uh, mm. But then we depend on them, and so it's this this like stupid play. And I reached out to Motion VFX, and they're like, "No, like we're not having any issues." They even told me to update to the latest version of of Monterey, which I had already upgraded to. And so it's the reason why I'm like, can it be that there's something wrong with this computer? Up uh, again, I have no problems while editing. My problems are if I hit the external SSD to open my project, it will take at least a minute. To, for it to run Final Cut, just for it to load. And that is the only way I get to see the beach balls. And these are not even like motion moving beach balls. It's like a static, I am oh, stuck no. kind of beach ball. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong? And again, it could be a problem with me. Like Kogan has been doing a crazy amount of tests on DaVinci Resolve. And he is like, shoot me, like this is too good. Like and and we actually did an experiment next to the M1 Pro before I gave it to Diego because we we uh, traded in his M his M1 Air. He kept my M1 Pro, um, and so we did experiments with the M1 Pro. And dude, like Kogan on DaVinci Resolve was throwing. I think that the the moment that he got that M1 to chug was notice eight gigs of RAM. Mm -hmm. He was until he threw in a sixteen a sixteen K timeline. So bear in mind, he threw an 8K. He threw, like, and nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. That thing was just butter. <laughs> he was, I, and so that's the moment where we, where we came up with the argument. It's like, who is this computer? Like, and talking about the M1 Max, like, who is this computer for? I do if feel it, like the whole the whole 3D rendering thing is a good example for Morrison yeah. because I, I do think the M1 Max, that's probably what Apple developers are going to be using. They're going to make iOS apps and all of that games, perhaps. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but right. I, I find it funny that these synthetic benchmarks are always so insane. Like, in what world are you and I going to make a 16K timeline? <laughs> Dude, I, I don't... Like, right now, we've got people debating if 4K is is good enough. We've got TVs that are doing like oversampling so well that, you know, I most of my favorite creators are still on 1080p. We've got PewDiePie doing 720p for Christ's sakes. <laughs> like we're the ones that are going all out with 4K. Then you got Marquez who's doing like 8K red raw and whatever. But then once you throw everything into the YouTube uh, you know, the codec, the codec just butchers everything anyways. Yeah. And so indeed. it it be, it becomes pointless for you to work on adding so much value. It's crazy how even when we're editing the daily, the the final file on Final Cut looks so much different than what you see on a television. And so I'm like, is it really worth it to like put in the extra effort if YouTube is going to butcher it up anyways? Yeah. Well, aside from the video editing and the video work and whatnot, like how's the how's the 14 been treating you? Because I feel like this laptop did address everything that you were complaining about with the 13. I'm going to, here's the, here's the thing. No, no, no. I want your opinion because I've been doing all the talking right now. Like tell sure, sure. me, how's it been, Mr. Windows? How's it been, Mr. Asus uh, double screen or I forget what you were using before that. It's over there. Yeah. I have two Asus laptops <laughs> that are, I'm at the point now where my Asus laptops that I've graciously been uh, able to keep, um, they're going to be like the stationary rigs at this point 
Like I would, mm-hmm. I would be happy with having the Asus just be here at my desk and ready to go whenever I need it. Meanwhile, the MacBook Pro 14, I went 14, not 16. The 14 is just, I can't wait to get on this plane on Monday and actually use it on the plane and try to get oh, yeah. a little bit of work done. Like I can't wait for it because the battery life is not as good as the 13, but for obvious reasons, it's a different processor. You're you're pu- you're pulling more in a mini in a mini LED display, um, but it's still great. It's still like a solid five six hours off battery at full power, which still blows my mind. I do love it. Um, I still have the oops. I still have the 13 over there. Where I'm still gonna. I'm still going to uh, um, trade it in. So I'm still doing a couple of, I keep thinking between the two because they happen to be in front of me. Yeah. Um, the 14 to me is honestly like a really good sweet spot. Um, I do contend a little bit with the resolution of the screen. Like I wish I could fit a little bit more stuff on the 14 inch screen. Um, okay. But that's the main thing. The notch has not bothered me at all. I get that people were, even I, I put that tweet out that actually went viral where I cut up a notch into an actual apple. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is what Apple does. That was does. so good. That was so good. <laughs> it ended up on a few other um, Instagram, like Instagram accounts for some reason. Like they just, they asked me to repost it. I'm like, sure, go ahead. I don't give, I don't give an F. But no, yeah. The, Come on. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> it, it was fine though. Um, but yeah, it went like semi-viral, but I wasn't even making fun of it because it was just kind of getting in on the fun. But in practice, there's really nothing wrong with it. Like, it's honestly just like, it's, it's, it's eking out more screen real estate where it wasn't before. And if right. anybody out there is wondering why that wasn't, that was significant, try an air, try a 13. There's just this little bit of bezel that everyone hated on it. And that's gone now. I think, here's the thing. I think that we were just spoiled. After mm-hmm. you use a Huawei MateBook X Pro, or you use one of the Dell XPS, like, it was <laughs> hard to go back to a MacBook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still feel that their panels were were fantastic, except for the fact that I started using the Dell, the Dell XPS OLED, the 13, Ooh. and it's like, whoa, this thing is so cool. Like, because it's, I think it's like the only OLED that gives you like really good resolution. Whereas if you grab the Galaxy Book Pro 360, it's just, it's 1080p. On a 15 inch panel, it just doesn't look great. Like yeah. it's okay, but it doesn't look great. Uh, regardless of the OLED. And so, I don't know. I I think that we were just spoiled by all these computers without bezels. Like, they look so futuristic. And then you grab a MacBook Air. They weren't bad. And particularly because of the color science, I would deal with it. It was just, I was like, so much wasted space. Like, and, and it just, it looked dated. It looked like a five-year-old computer, which it was. That design is five years old. Yeah. And, well, in the case of the MacBook Pro, it's five years old, six years old almost. And so it's like, it's really hard to justify. Like, just imagine continuing to drive the Corolla from five years ago or, uh, or you know, for Tesla not to provide any sort of updates to their cars. And so it was that. I I don't think I had much of a problem with the display as I did with, just Apple's reluctance to adopt a lot of things from that display. So even if you grab the 16-inch, which is over there in like in the, it's over there in a corner somewhere. You have the 16 the, also? No, but the old 16-inch, oh, the, the i9, old, I was 64 like, gigs, <laughs> which I, I need to figure out how to trade in. I just, I wanted to make that comparison first before like doing the full trade in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, should I get the M1 Max and use that 16-inch? 
which is crazy. That computer was $5,000 and all they're offering is $1,700 for the trade-in, which is not terrible, but still like not even half what it was worth. And so a, a lot of the, but let me finish with this and let me go with the other. But I just, even there, the problem was Apple's reluctance to adopt like a curvature on the display, like take over the bezels, like make it look futuristic. Like even if they made the, the you know, even if they got really close to the edges on that 16-inch, even so, you had the computer's uh, borders on the on the aluminum going one way, but then the panel going another way, mm. and it just it didn't look good. Um, it just didn't look good. And so I... Okay, so how do I feel about this 14-inch? I feel that this is the sweet spot. I, yeah. I don't need more than this. Like, here's the problem. It's, the problem is these computers are thicker. And I remember when I grabbed it for the first time, I was like, why so thick? Uh, because I was used to this whole tapered design. I even have the old 2012 Retina MacBook Pro somewhere stacked up there. And I was like, why didn't you just adopt that old 2012 design that, uh, to, in my opinion, I was like, even that was a little like lighter. Just adopt that old design and give me the futuristic screen and call it a day. But no, they... They are, honestly, it's like if they're pulling like a retro computer here, like with the flat top and like the curved yes. bottom. It looks like the power books from like so many years ago. That was the point I made in my video was that it kind of reminds me it's a metal version of those plastic MacBooks we used to get before aluminum was the thing. And like, I still look back on those 2008, 2009, and those were the laptops that I was doing tech support on way back in the day. <laughs> And so, yeah, it looks like it, it. Like, have you? Diego's been making this comment. Where he's like, "Is it just me, or is Apple just doing everything retro? Like, the iPhones are now flattened curves, so they look like the iPhone four. The Macs, like, think about it. Like, even the the keyboard bay being colored in a specific different color is reminiscent to the old times when the keyboards were not this like uh, when the keyboards were not the unibody design that would take advantage of and create this like honeycomb for the keys." Oh, I didn't um, know that. And, and so, yeah, in the past, the keyboard was like the separate thing you would like latch onto the, onto the body of the computer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the, probably one of the biggest design uh, innovations of the MacBook Air, the original MacBook Air, was that that was the first computer that was machined out of aluminum, mm -hmm. where the aluminum would even create that like pattern for the keys to then separately be added into the chassis, the keys, not the whole keyboard. And so that would provide more rigidity. Instead of just mm. the borders, it also had extra rigidity from the middle. And so it's as if they're trying to provide some an old callback to the times when the keyboard was a separate thing by doing it in a different color. And so I like I, I have a hard time liking these these computers from the outside. Um, it took me a while. Then I realized that it was just that they didn't taper the same way. Like these ones have that like curve on the bottom, which mm -hmm. means D-brand skins don't work on the bottom. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that Alex just saw these things. It was like, and Adam, I'm sure that Adam just saw these things. It was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to change yeah, everything up again. <laughs> no, you can't. Like if it, like he doesn't sell AirPod, AirPod case skins anymore because it's just a nightmare to to try to apply skins on these curves. And so it's the same thing with these Macs. You yeah, can't apply true. a skin on the bottom. You just you just have to make peace with it. And so my moth skin is going to have to go bare on this thing, and then I'll probably get a skin for the top. 
Uh, but it's just that, dude. Like, notice, like, the larger Apple logo. Like, I don't know. So many things about this computer just remind me of an old PowerBook. Hmm. Well, you brought up this thing earlier. Um, you brought up your 16. And it's mm-hmm. because of your 16-inch laptop when you were telling me how when the when the M1 first came out, how it blew away your $5,000-plus oh, yeah. one. That was the thing, though. Like, I do feel like I got a little bit spoiled with this notion that the M1 could actually make a powerful MacBook more affordable. And in a lot of ways, it still does. But then when you compared the M1 from last year to your Intel MacBook, I was like, yeah, that is true. And then they come out with the M1 Pro and the M1 Max that basically match the 16-inch Intels. And now the price is being met again. (laughs) It's not just that they they match. Here's the thing. This is the cheapest Pro computer that I've ever bought. Um, If... In the past, I we would avoid uh, decking up like there was a time uh, like before the 16 inch models, and I I think even actually not the 16 inch models. I think it was it was during the 2018 generation that Apple decided you guys want 64 gigs of RAM, fine, we'll give them to you. You guys <laughs> want, but before that, you couldn't do that with a Mac. Before mm-hmm. that, I think that there were only like there were only two tiers for each. And then there was probably options where you could probably add a little more storage and probably a different GPU, but not more RAM. And so you only had the options for like eight or 16 and then storage options, probably just three. And so I think it was in 2018 that you were like, you can add whatever you you want to pay $7,000 for this thing. We'll (laughs) give you that thing. Here's the problem. If you've uh, met a guy named Michael Fisher, he can give you so many stories of the problems that there are every time you deck out a MacBook. And it's that if you ever have any problems with it, first of all, it'll take more time for you to get it because they have to customize it. And then the other problem is you also have to wait for them to repair it if you send it in. They can't just do a replacement. And so the beautiful thing about getting the base, not either the base models or the tiers that they offer on retail is that if there's anything wrong with your computer right there, and it is still within the year of warranty, dude, they'll just walk to the back, grab a brand new box, and just swap your computer out right there. And so it's one of the beautiful things about about Apple and their customer service. They're not going to argue with you. It's like, right, no, we just proved it. Oh, okay, fine, okay, right, boop. They just go back, take the computer back, write a couple of forms, and bring you a brand new plastic packaged brand new (laughs) computer. Go, get out of here. Take your new baby with you. See you. That. Um, and so it's one of the reasons why I would avoid decking out computers. And so hmm. this was the first time that I ever did so. But before that, the most that I would pay was the higher spec model. So the most I would pay before was 3500 That was like the number. We, already, we always knew that every time we needed to buy a new MacBook, it would have to be the higher spec variant of whatever 15-inch model would be offered because those were the only ones with a discrete GPU. So even if I wanted to do a 13, I couldn't use them. You saw me try to do it once in Vegas and it died yeah. on me. Yeah, I remember that. And so and so it was that. Like in the past, I made peace with the fact that in our yearly budget, there was a $3,500 uh, you know, post. We knew that it was for the new MacBook that we would get every year. So this is the first time that I am using, uh, what, and bear in mind, I come from the M1, and I, I'm like, I should have just gotten this thing with 16, you know, 16 and more storage. Like, that M1 was enough. Like, mm-hmm. if they gave me an M1 with four USB-C ports, 
I I would just call it a I would grab that with 16 gigs and you know probably add a terabyte of storage or two terabytes and I would call it a day right there two thousand dollars and so this M1 Pro that I'm currently recording this video on this is the 60 this is the 10 core 16 gigs of unified memory one terabyte of storage which is 2500 and so this is the first time that I grab a pro computer that is not 3500. And because of my experience decking them out, I was like, screw that. I don't want to deal with that. Like, I I have found no benefits. And it, it, there are two reasons. One, the M1 is powerful enough. Kogan already made tests where he proved that there was really a negligible difference that is not worth whatever money you're going to throw in there. So unless you want more storage, there's really no reason for you to spend more money. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, what are your plans with this computer? Uh, I read a lot of tweets where people were like... Um, yeah, no, but what about longevity? And here's the thing, when you buy a MacBook, heck, you go to an Apple store and you'll see people there with PowerBooks getting repairs. You'll see people there with like legacy iMacs getting repairs mm. or getting some sort of support. So that's the beautiful thing about Apple. But at the same time, out of experience, I can tell you, decking out a computer is not a good idea unless you need to. Like I would totally deck out a Mac Pro, for example, because it's a modular computer where you can remove whatever you want, but you don't need to replace the whole thing. In a, in a laptop, you can't do that, particularly in an Apple laptop. Forget it. And it's because of that reason that it makes no sense for you to spend more money. Think about it. I spent $5,000 in September of last year for that 16-inch MacBook Pro, and it is worth $1,700 right now. And so am I going to get, like, if I depreciate that computer over X amount of time, it is still worth more money than what they're offering for the trade-in, but because they pretty much obliterated it right now, even if I try to sell it on eBay, people are not going to really pay me more than that. And so is it really worth it to max out a laptop? Not really. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is. Like, I think that if you're, if, if, and even so, like, let's assume that you want to go for the long run, that you want to play the longevity game. I did. Like, my 2012 MacBook Pro lasted me for five years. But on year number five, the display started, like, like the display went dead. The keyboard, not the keyboard, but, like, the battery started. And, and so it's the same, it's all on the same module. Like, the keyboard, the battery, and the speakers are all on the same module. The USB ports were starting to have problems. And the computer would, like, I remember that they started providing updates to Final Cut Pro where it would perform even better even on a MacBook Air. And yet I would grab my MacBook Pro from 2012 that had the discrete graphics that that MacBook Air did not have, and my laptop wasn't performing better. So I'm not going to say that Apple practices planned obsolescence, but I've kind of experienced it. Mm. Like, it just is what it is. Like, even if they support old products... It doesn't necessarily mean that Apple treats old products the same way they treat the new ones. And they have a way of doing it. Like the other day, for example, my barber pulled out his iPhone 7 Plus. Bear in mind, iOS 15 is still being supported even by, um, it's even supported by the iPhone 6S. But dude, he took a photo of me. Like we, he, you know, he took a, I don't know, he took a photo of us and then I tried, just trying to compare how it looked versus the iPhone 13. And I was like, listen, dude, I don't, I'm not saying that the iPhone 13 is not a better camera, but I remember, I have some amazing photos from the iPhone 7 Plus. <laughs> they did not look this bad. So something tells me, and I, I've been like debating that, like, does Apple do that to, the, to their old products? Like, even if they are supported, are they really 
fully support it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't recommend spending so much money for a product. I would rather play the trade-in game. You you use your computer for work. You, like right now, the MacBook Air, it, it costs 900, it cost a thousand bucks when we bought it and Apple offered 650 for a trade-in. So think about it. If we were to talk proportions of money, I would rather pay either for the base model or for a stock model and get as much money out of it at the end of the year. I've already used it for a year. The computer has already made videos. It's made its own money. It's pretty much paid for itself with everything that we've done. And then I trade it in and I don't deal with the longevity drama and I get a new computer every year. Like I wish they had like a trade-in, an eternal trade-in program and I would follow it because I've learned that it's not worth it to go the long run. Yeah, the uh, the Pro 13 uh, garnered, I'll say me and Isa because we were kind of trying to figure out a way to get both our 14s because of that laptop. Yeah. 740. 740 is like yeah. decent. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Think about it. Like what did the... The computer was worth $1,300. Yeah. If you do the math over how much money you've made with that computer over a year of work. You know what? That's like, the layer that I never think about. Like, you're, you're totally right that it made its own money because of the fact that I, well, even if it's just content on the laptop itself, it's all the content that was made because of that laptop. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. I, I never think about those kinds of things. I just always look at the product Fi- in a vacuum. Finance 101. And so <laughs> exactly. think about the fact that the computer is, it's a depreciated it continues depreciating year over year. Mm-hmm. The $640 that they're offering to you right now is not going to be the same next year. Mm-hmm. And so if you try to trade that computer in next year, it's going to probably be worth half of that. I remember when I tried to like grab like a 2017 MacBook Pro and I tried to submit it for like, dude, they offered me $300. A $3,500 computer two years later, or I think it was three years later, was worth three hundred dollars so no it is not worth it to keep it and then what are you going to do you're going to leave it there like stacked up and and just taking up space in a room it makes no sense to hold on to it honestly yeah that's very true i will say that i did feel those sort of pangs of not regret i was definitely very conflicted paying as much money as i did for yet another macbook the way i did last year but last year it felt better because it was only 1300 bucks so that wasn't too bad so right. this year I had to like bite the bullet a little bit harder. Um, I will say 20, though- $2,700 with tax pretty much. Exactly. And I remember when yeah. I told my parents that my dad was like, holy crap, why are you doing <laughs> <laughs> Get me another TV. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, um, just because it seems, at least personally speaking, my relationship with Apple is slowly growing. More mm-hmm. and more Apple products are making it into my workflow and I am learning- what this walled garden truly feels like. So yeah. this MacBook was sort of like the last, what's the term I'm looking for here? It was the last piece in the puzzle for me to actually feel like, oh, I'm in it now. I am in it. I yeah. just did my video on the AirPods 3. And just yeah. earlier today, I was listening yeah. to something on the iPhone 13 Pro. And then when I took the earbud out, um, mm-hmm. it paused. But then when I put it back in, I was like, okay, pause on the phone, come over here, start editing a video. And the audio played immediately from the laptop because it was Mm -hmm. automatically uh, uh, pairing. So it was automatically doing that. And then I stopped editing on the laptop, went to take a break, went to the phone, started playing from there again. And then it was too loud. So I used my watch to lower the volume. I'm like, (laughs) oh no, I'm so in this now. Like, (laughs) Here's here's the funny part. Like my experience with that, like, Flipping audio around does not work that well. 
Oh, really? Like, it's probably that I have too many Apple products, but <laughs> it's like I will like I will put my AirPods on and then it connects to the laptop because it's in front of me. And I'm like, no, this is not what I want. I want to connect to my phone. And then I get the phone call and I I am expecting the AirPods to switch to the iPhone, but then they don't. And so I take the air, the call that goes on speaker, and then I try to connect the AirPods. They don't work. And so it's 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 funny how it's. I'm not saying it's inconsistent for the rest of the world. It is for me. I will admit it's not my favorite experience. But then again, if we're honest, Bluetooth pairing is such a nightmare on every from every other company that I'm I'm willing to put up with it because uh, I would say seven times out of ten it gets it right. Like seven times out of 10, the call will pop in and it like, if my AirPods are on, it will know that I want to answer the call with the AirPods. And so it'll switch to the phone. Seven times out of 10 is not bad. It's, and, and it's, and it only happens when I'm like using, I noticed that it happened more when I was using the Intel MacBooks. I feel that those didn't play as well with AirPods mm. as, as the M1s do. It's a different silicon. True. Um, but yeah, it's just so funny that. Coming from a guy who literally used to work at a place with the word Android in it, like I'm so in the Apple world now. Like when when we got these MacBook 14s, Issa and I were airdropping with reckless abandon, and then like I'd be I'd be editing something on the laptop, and then a little notification will come up that I'm getting a call from the iPhone, which is in the other room, and I'm like, oh, this this world is actually like it it can suck you in very easily, and it's it is effective when it's effective, you find yourself in it pretty easily. Well, here's the thing. It... I'm currently making a video about like um you know best airbuds airbuds for working out and it's it's one of those things where it's like airpods are not the best for working out they're not but because they got so many things right it's one of those things where I feel that people would rather not deal with the the rest of earbuds where it's like pairing not pairing like it's it's that like for, for the average consumer this should not be a problem i have mm-hmm. felt I think I've been using Bluetooth since 2002. That's when I got my first laptop, and Bluetooth was brand new. Like you had to buy like a dongle with Bluetooth on it for it to work. Um, and I remember just how wonky it was. It still is. Like pairing with one product or with another is still bad. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 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 shocked that Bluetooth has has survived this much, and they have not figured out a better solution than Bluetooth because it is like it's not the experience of just removing the headphone jack from one product and then connecting it to another. It's not that simple. Um, but whereas in the case of Apple products, it kind of is. Like, it kind of is like I'm switching from one product to the other. So it's not multipoint. Uh, where multipoint can be a nightmare. If I'm working out on the Peloton and my multipoint jobbers are connected to the Peloton, and then I get one of the spam calls reminding me that I haven't paid my car insurance on the phone, it will immediately drift to the phone. And I'm like, heck. God, like I don't want it to do that. Yeah. And AirPods don't do that. And so I I kinda well no, it depends. But like here's the point. I think that they do it better. It's mm-hmm. not amazing, but I think it's a Bluetooth problem. It's not like you can't really do it any better than that. Yeah, this is true. Um I just this whole this I, I just had to take a moment and sit down and realize just how far into this I've become. <laughs> but it's great. But, um I have to admit a, it is pretty great. On a scale from one to ten, like what would you say? Like, would you? No, that's not a good question. Like, would you move away from this M1 Pro? Hmm, that's a very good question. I think that I will lean into my privilege. I will say that I'll lean into my mm-hmm. privilege in saying that this is a great, like, on the go 
travel laptop for me. But I still got that desktop back home if I want to do some gaming, if I want to do anything specific to Windows. That's the thing. You're you're a gamer. Like, yeah. I'm not. And so for me, I don't miss that part. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you do. Well, I do have like, this was the funny part. I was thinking about the different flows that I would have. And if I were to use my Asus laptop, mm-hmm. I'd be able to do literally everything on that laptop. And that's great. Problem is, if I'm in an airport, I got to find a plug. Yeah, I got to, I got to. The, the thing's going to heat up and I'm going right. to have to get plugged in because it's only going to last for like an hour and 10 minutes. And right. like, that's just the, that's just the reality of it. On the flip side, if I really wanted to be a gamer, it's just as easy as me packing this in the back of my backpack and putting a Nintendo Switch on the front of it. <laughs> so right. Right. there are ways of getting around all of this. And even, even a right. phone could cover a lot of the gaming points that I might need. Um, so there are ways around it. And I think that if I wasn't already a PC gamer on some level, I agree with you. I think this M1 Pro would be more than enough for almost everything. Right, right. I don't, I I really need to fix my Final Cut Pro issues because it's really (laughs) unnerving. Like it really is. But other than that, like I, you know, people have been like, yeah, it doesn't have the same battery life as the M1. I'm like, listen, you're telling me you're not going to get two days. You're only going to get a day and a half. Fine. <laughs> like Diego and I, Diego and I would have this running joke where he was like, dad, I'm like, what? I don't, do you have a power adapter? And it, it was all just him being ironic. And I'm like, no, why? He's like, I've got like 20% battery. I think I, and, and I still have to edit this video. He's like, what is that? Like eight hours left? Nine hours? <laughs> Nice. We would make this joke because he would just not go anywhere with the charger. He would not need it. I, you know, my best analogy is like, think of using an iPad and just imagine that it's running Mac apps because that's the way the M1 felt. Like, Mm it doesn't matter if you're using Microsoft Word or if you're using, you know, Final Cut, they both behave the same. The resources they demand from that computer are the same. Somehow, in some weird universe, these computers are just, they don't behave like computers, which is the reason why, for me, in my reviews, I was always like, these are paradigm shifts. This is not what we're used to. This is, it's really hard for me to describe because I would sit down with people and they're like, yes, but like, why don't I get like, I think I should, why is Apple asking for so much for 64 gigs of RAM? I'm like, how can I explain to you that you kind of don't need it? Yeah, like exactly. You will most likely never, like, I'm sure that if, if the computer brings it, I'm sure that the computer is going to allocate them if you start throwing things at it. But if we talk about a regular workflow, I doubt there is such a thing as, like, I'm, I th- I'm sure that it's like the 0.1% of humanity, if not point, you know what, 0.1% of engineers of anything are going to need that much power. But it's great that it's there. Like, it's awesome that it's there. And I think that the M1 Pro, like, if you would, sorry, if you go for the M1 Max 32 core, which is the one that I want to get, I'm like, ah, you know what? This is 3,500. Like, this is what I used to pay. So if I go M1 Max 32 core, one terabyte, that literally is the 3,500 bucks that's in my budget. I should totally do that and get rid of that <laughs> 16 inch and, and just call it a day. And Diego's like, I want that because he, he wants me to give him this M1 Pro, but Ah. Other than that, Lute, like the experience of using this thing has been great. Like, I, I don't think I, two things, the ports, one, <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still in denial and I still pack a dongle in my bag and I still have <laughs> not used them. 
You know what? To that I'm point, still in denial. To that point, I will say, I've, of all the ports that were added to this laptop, the SD—not even port—it's the SD card slot that I find myself using the most. It's it's the best yeah. addition. Yeah. But to that point, I don't really see myself. I'm, I'm not really using the other ports a whole lot. I have Bluetooth peripherals. That's what I tend to use for editing if yeah. I'm off the the whatever the the trackpad and the keyboard. But here's the other thing. I think yeah. I've used MagSafe a grand total of once. <laughs> I've not needed no, to use. I, it I have not used MagSafe either because I connect to my monitor through Thunderbolt, exactly. and that provides enough power for, power for the computer. So I really don't need MagSafe. Yeah. It's like somewhere in my suitcase, and I just I've never. I'm just so used to using USB C, yeah. and because you can still charge it with USB C, and you've got more ports. And you know what? The port that I doubt I'll ever use is HDMI. Fair. I doubt it because I think that. Every single one of my monitors is Thunderbolt. And mm. Like I have, like this one is Thunderbolt. Uh, this is the ultra wide from LG. And then in the studio, I have the Ergo, which is, that one's not Thunderbolt, but it's USB-C and it's, it's super speed. So it, it, it pretty much behaves like a hub. So it, to a certain degree, degree provides Thunderbolt functionality. And then the only one that I use that's HDMI is the gaming monitor that I have in my apartment. But then in the case of that one, it's a gaming monitor. And so you can use the back as a hub as well, but then you need a USB-A connector for that hub. Oh, yeah. And so I have a dongle that connects the hub and the HDMI, and then I just connect everything through USB-C to the MacBook, and I call it, that's it. Like, And that connects my keyboard, my mouse, my everything in just one connector. And so... I just, I became so used to that lifestyle. Yeah. But now the beautiful thing is I don't have to travel with the dongle. It's come to the point where I grabbed my my 30 liter Peak Design bag, which I would use for the 16 inch. And I would be like, I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then I grabbed I grabbed my 20 liter and I'm like, come here, baby. And then I, and then I was like, I, I remember that we went to go pick up the MacBook and and the first thing was like, is it going to fit my 10 liter sling? Is it going to, if this thing fits my 10 liter sling, I will throw everything else away. And it fits. Wow. It fits just right. And I am like, oh my God, this is, this is a game changer. <laughs> Stupid first world problems. Trust me, if you were a YouTuber, you'd understand. Yes, indeed. Like that's that's the plight of our. We were just talking about how we were trying to find like new cases for stuff. And, like, oh my god, we're just trolling Amazon all the time. Um, that is the thing, though. Like I, I, I do find myself just really enjoying myself on this thing, and it's how I felt with the original M1. So I'm glad that we're able to talk at length about it. There is one thing that you and I need to catch up on, and um, huh. it is outside the Apple ecosystem. So because of that, we're going to go ahead and put a little bit of a break here. All right. So I feel like Techtober did do a number on a lot of us. So um, for- I was burned out. I had to take a few, I had to take a week off. I mean, Isa left at the end of Techtober, so I needed a few <laughs> few days myself. I, 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 I took a week off. I was not okay. Yeah. Like I, I remember pulling over one of the, one of the videos that I like had to rush through and I remember just feeling my head just exploding and I was like, okay, no, I need to stop. Yeah. And I remember landing here in Honduras and just feeling that way. And it wasn't until I got here, you know, like I was like, I need to get out. Like I, I just packed my bags and I just grabbed the flight. I sent Diego to Miami and I, uh, cause he, that's where he's studying by the way. And, 
I just flew over here, and I remember I had a headache. I, don't, I think I was drunk. <laughs> I had a lot of wine on the flight. I was like, come over. They're like, would you like wine, Mr. And I was like, yes, of course. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. I remember landing with this huge headache, and I'm like, ah, oh, jet lag. But dude, I went to bed, and I woke up the next day like at 11 a.m., and I felt amazing. I felt so good. I felt relaxed for a while. I was like, oh God, this feels so good. I don't want to stop it. But yeah, no, I'm um, going back. Um, it's been crazy. Techtober. And I, I do feel like because Techtober is always so crazy, like some of our perspectives on certain products take a little bit longer to come out. Like even, even was it today or yesterday, Marquez put out an AirPods 3 review and I feel like he did that just so he can tell everybody that the MacBook Pro review is on its way. <laughs> like I it's, know. he's still working on it. But I, I feel know. like perspectives on, let's say, in particular, the pixels might take a little bit. Oh, now, I know. Pixels. I know you put out a few, a couple of videos already on the pixels, so you have. Plenty I already of thoughts put on there. one. I only oh, put one. the review, and it, and and the only reason why we did it early because you know I've, I've dude, I'm still doing my Z Fold three review. I, uh, I haven't finished my iPhones reviews like. Ah, dude, it's just been too much. Mm. Um, but here's the we're thing: the we're practically we... one person, like like operations too. So, yeah. like this is this this is expected in a way, right? But here's the thing: I, I, I just I can't rush reviews. Like mm. I, I can't like I if I have to sacrifice views over like I like people are like yeah, but you're. Like, people don't complain that I'm late because I'll give them my perspective after a month or two months of using a product. Um, and I like to focus it on that. But, like, I really lost desire for rushing things years ago because I remember not sleeping and just burning out the first time. And, and dude, that drives you into depression. Like, you stop having fun. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to be doing this and not having fun, then what's the point? Yeah. Uh, totally. But the thing about it is with Pixels is because Diego was in New York, I was like, tell you what, you grab the Pixel 6, I'll grab the Pixel 6 Pro, and you provide me your insight, and we will and we will tackle it. And then out of the blue, we just, I, you know, I, I remember just putting my, my thoughts on the Pixel were pretty much done after like day three of using them. Okay. So I remember we went to Chelsea, we started taking photos, and I'm like, I can have fun with this camera all day, but I don't like this phone. I adore this camera, but I really wish that they gave me a Pixel 5 that size with those cameras and charge me whatever they want and call it a day. Because the problem is not really the sizes. Like I've like one of my favorite phones of all time was the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra, and it is literally the same size. It, it's the same thing, yeah. It's the same exact phone in the case of the Pixel 6 Pro. The cameras are crazy. Like, you know, they're over contrasty, and yet they look so cool. I'm like, you know what? You don't look accurate, but you look so good. I'm not going to argue with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm and in the same then, boat. And then I was like, oh, my God. I have been wanting to do these, like, um, light strip, um, you know, the, the, what do you call those? Uh, the uh, light the action photos. The action photos and the what do you the, call those? The mo the motion stuff like action pan yeah. and long exposure. Action, exactly. Yeah. Long exposure. I have been wanting to. I dude, I suck so much at, at manual photography that I have been trying to figure that out, like shutter speed and everything, for the longest time. And I'm like, I can have fun with this camera all day because it removes the complexity from the user. This is amazing. 
Mm-hmm. With the exception of the lens flare issues that I noticed from the cameras, dude, I really enjoyed taking photos with them. I feel that they're the only cameras that can perform in low light from other focal lengths, meaning if you're using the ultra wide or the telephoto, they will look good regardless of which one you pick. My biggest problem is just the phones. And the phones for for mainly, I'm like, okay. It, Material U looked a lot better than Matthias Duarte's shirt on the presentation. And it, it felt good as I was using it on the Pixel 5. But the moment you give it to me on the Pixel 6, it's like going back to the iPhone 13 Pro Max, which I am not willing to do anymore. What is the purpose of all that canvas if I am going to have spread out icons yeah. that I can't reach? And so I'm like, have you guys ever, ever gotten off 42nd Street Bryant Park in New York City at 7.30 in the morning trying to get somewhere? And then you're trying to text or trying to grab an Uber or trying to do something with your phone at the moment. And you just can't because the phone is so hard to manipulate with one hand. And it's the reason why I've drifted to to my two primary phones, which is the Z Fold 3 primary number one and the iPhone 13 Pro. That's the other one. Z Fold 3 because that narrow screen is so easy to manipulate in one hand when I just want it to be a phone. And, you know, the iPhone, we could just, I just feel that it takes better photos and it handles social media better. It's like my, mm. my social media crutch. Um, but other than that, dude, like, I'm like, I really want to love this phone. But how is Material U really about me? Is it because it's going to change the color tones of the user interface based on the wallpaper I've selected? I'm like, Google, welcome to theming. This has been on One UI for, what, seven years like, I'm like, how is this new? It is not. And yeah. also, fine. You want it, You want to make it about me? Show me how to turn it off. Like, show me how to turn the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. I don't want material you. I want the old Pixel Launcher, which was dense enough, which, which handled one, uh, one-handed use perfectly fine. Give me the old Pixel Launcher. Just give me the option to turn that on, and I will be the happiest guy in the world. I do feel like material use target points are a lot easier now, though, because like while it does lead to it feeling a little cartoony and bloated, it does make a lot of elements a lot easier to actually press. The like you said, like, though, what, like the Wi-Fi button, really? Either well, <laughs> <laughs> two, two, uh, two, two steps now to turn off Wi-Fi. It's, this is true. I'm like, there's no need for this. Like, what well, is like the the, point? the the settings button, the settings screens in general. Like, I get where the design aspect is coming from, but like you said, it's this screen being too big that actually is its Achilles heel. My brother actually. Mentioned Messaged me the other day and said this whole Android 12 thing on the Pixel 5, which is what he's using. He was like, "Yeah, this is actually quite nice. Like, this is pretty cool." On the Pixel 5, right? And so yeah. it's that. Just give me those cameras on the Pixel 5, and I'll be a happy guy. You know what? Just call it the Pixel SE, the the uh, the the FE, the Fan Edition or the Special Edition. <laughs> call it whatever you want. Just the give U me edition. one of those Pixels. <laughs> give me the real you. Like, it's just that. Like, I I feel I I love Apple's approach where it's like, you want a small phone. There's the mini. You want a medium-sized phone? Here. You want to, like, manipulate that thing like if it's a Chevy, you've got the 13 Pro Max. Here. Just knock yourself out. Mm -hmm. Pick the size you want. Whereas in the case of the Pixel, the 6 and the 6 Pro are almost the same size. It it just, it literally corners you into picking either of those two phones because the Pixel 5 is no longer on sale and the 5A is also a large phone. Yeah. 
The do you think the curved display on this thing is like half the problem though? I feel like that's half the problem for me. No, no, I just it's I think that the iPhone 13 Pro Max is an I think the word is aberration mm-hmm. to to ergonomics. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel that it, like if you grab like Apple doing large products is a mistake because all they do is bloat them. And so it makes no logical sense. Like there is no added value into a bloated product. And so imagine grabbing a Z Fold 3 completely extended and having it behave like a regular phone when it's closed. It makes the larger screen pointless. And mm-hmm. so it's the same problem with, with Google. Like what they're doing is, is pulling an Apple 100% where it's like, here, let me give you a more bloated experience because you want a larger phone. It's not that. Like if Samsung, like the moment Samsung launched the Galaxy Note, which was the first ever large phone, they didn't just blow up a Galaxy S2 at the time. Mm-hmm. What they did was, okay, let's do multi-window. Let's add a pen to this thing. Let's create a whole separate screen UI. And so ever since day one, Galaxy phones have been able to actually use a larger screen for what it's intended. Larger canvas means a, an experience where you can take advantage of it like if it were a tablet, like if it were a computer. It's not necessarily ideal, but it's far better than having a blown up phone. Hmm. And so, dude, if you look at my, if you look at my, um, uh, if you look at my S21 Ultra, dude, like the screen is well utilized. Like I've got all the icons that I want at the front. I've got the widgets that I want in the front. I don't need to be switching screens to use the phone however I want. And so that's the problem. I'm like, if you if you watch my review, I'm like, I guess Material U just wasn't made for me. I mean, it, it, I'm sure that there are people out there that like it. Like, and, and listen, don't get me wrong. This is not me bashing the idea. It's great that they've made a bold user interface. It looks different. I'll give them that. But it's just not what I like. Like, mm-hmm. and and this is not reluctance to change. This is me saying, tell me how it's better. Just give me one reason why Material U is any better than what we had. One. Yeah. I don't have an answer for that personally, actually. There is no reason for it to be. Like, it is not better, and it is not made about me. Mm-hmm. It Like, I can't, like, I want density on my screen, and I can't do that. So how is that made about me? And so don't just... This is the reason why I hate marketing, where marketing is like, we built the, like, you know, we had the HTCU campaign. So it's like the HTC engineers and their marketeers that are still working there, and they just revamp all those ideas into, like, you want an example of a phone that was made around you? Remember the Moto X where you could just choose? And this was Google, by the way. You could choose the trim, the back. If you want it made out of wood, you want it made out of leather, you want it made out of rubber, whatever you, you want, we could build it. And yeah. that is a phone made around you. Yeah, I miss that phone uh, all the time. I still have it over right. there, actually. And it was such a good phone. It was such a delicious experience. <laughs> such a practical phone to use with the worst camera in the world as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you uh, get the point that I'm trying to make. It's absolutely. like, how is, this, how is this phone made around me? The answer is it's not. Mm-hmm. How is this phone better than what we had before? It's not. Are the cameras amazing? Oh, crap, yeah. Of course they are. They're amazing. Yes. I do see where you're coming from, and the reason why I was looking down is because I was curious. I was looking in the display settings at the scaling options. Really, the screen's just too big still. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. The screen is too much. You can't do anything. Like, I can't... Like, the, the denser option 
is already less dense than every other phone out there. This phone makes an iPhone 13 Pro Max look good. And so the problem with the 13 Pro Max is it is sharp on the borders and it is large. And so it's not designed to be held. It's just the beefed up iPhone 13 Pro. Yeah. And so it makes no, like it, it, it's not well thought for its purpose. Like it's the reason why I like how Samsung, and I hate bringing up Samsung, but it's just that I think that they've learned so much over so many years of doing large phones that they were the ones that came up with the curved screen. And why did they do that? Because it's kind of easier to hold the curved screen and the sharp screen when it's bigger. And mm. weight distribution is just such an important thing. And I remember when they launched the S10, the S10 Plus. That I was, uh, if you grabbed an S9 Plus and an S10 Plus, I don't know what they did with the weight distribution on the S10 Plus. It was a bigger phone that felt lighter. And it was actually lighter. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's that, dude. Like, I, I really struggle with the concept of just give me a large phone. I, I don't, that, again, don't tell me. And, and this is the way I base my review. You're telling me this is based around me. Okay, this is what I want. How are you going to allow me to customize the user interface the way I want? And then I learned it doesn't. And so it's the reason I don't use it. That is, that, that is a good point. And if there's one place where I feel that the most... I'm not against the way that the always-on display looks right now, but I've been spoiled by every other manufacturer allowing me to really customize the hell out of that thing. And even then, right before this Pixel came into my hands, I was already putting different, um, whatchamacallits, there. I was already putting different AODs on the cover display of the Z Flip 3. And that's yeah. fun. Oh, that's customization. And, and so I'm like, where's the innovation? Just give me what the innovation is. You literally just pulled out a Galaxy S, Galaxy Note 20 Ultra with uh, a, a, an iPhone 13 Pro Max user interface on cameras that, fine, yeah, I'll, I'll give them that. I can give them, dude, the cameras are so freaking cool. I'm like, can you just give me this on the old, like, all I want is this on the Pixel 5. Uh, or I just, you know what? Give me a Pixel 5 special edition with the three cameras. It doesn't even have to be periscopic. Just give me a telephoto. Like, dude, these guys, they do telephoto. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm about to make the comparison with the Ultra. And I'm like, I think this Pixel's going to win. Like, oh my God. Like, it does not have the physics. And yet the software is so well done. It's so hard to argue with it. Yeah. Until I have to like look at the damn photo and then just swipe around and then I have to go into Google Photos, but then it, it also mixes my photos for my other phones. And so then I need to go into the folder of that specific thing. Like, could you just give me a gallery application and just go back to the way things were? Mm. You mentioned the <laughs> cameras and I think it's a known commodity with these pixels without going too far because we, we are hitting that hour mark. There is yeah. one layer you haven't spoken about though. And I'm really curious your thoughts on the video quality or the video shooting. Ah, it, it's like, I think that they've done improvements in the codec, mm -hmm. but I still think it's an Android video. Like I, I, I can tell the difference. I don't know about you. Like, how's it been for you? Like, I, I guess I, I, I've already learned to make peace with the fact that I cannot, I, I will never like an Android video for okay. reasons that I think go beyond, like, it's just, here's the thing. Apple has been working on that codec since the iPhone four, mm -hmm. my kids videos are from the iphone 4 and that iphone 4 footage looks better than pretty much every android phone video today okay fair i i do think that iphones still hold the crown when it comes to mobile video 
I was yeah. very impressed with the Pixel 6 Pro's video, though, but this is the thing. This is like the big old asterisk that I will say also encapsulates Apple video right now. It's always going to be main sensor. Like, video on oh, an yeah. ultra-wide or on a zoom is just never yeah. going to be that good. So all these yeah. people saying that they're... Because I had I did my real-world camera test when the uh, when the embargo lifted. That's a whole other conversation. But um, <laughs> I did my, uh, my real-world camera test, and everyone was like, the video looks choppy and, like, grainy and whatnot. And I, and I, and I tell them, that's the ultra-wide you're looking at. Like, you have to realize that good video is only going to come from main sensors no matter what phone you pick up. Like, mm, virtually. iPhone, virtually. iPhone, if you've got enough lighting... Oh, yeah, it, indeed. And, and that's what I tell people. Like, you know, you want video out of any camera. It doesn't matter. It, it could be a DSLR. You need lighting. That, indeed. That's just the way it is. So it, I think you're with... using an a, Unless you're using an A7S three, like, forget it. Like, even <laughs> that, why? Like, even that in low light, you'll tear any camera apart in low light. Period. Very true. Um, with that being said, with, with, that, with that layer you just brought in, with good enough lighting, with good enough lighting, and in most cases, if it's in broad daylight, there will be good enough lighting. The main sensor yeah. on this Pixel is one I could use for like quick B-roll. Like I can, I, I can rely on it. I feel like. Yeah, no, and it's got the Morticia Atom stabilization still since <laughs> Pixel One. I am like, oh my god, this is the Adams family all, uh, all over again. And I love it. Like, don't and, and I, I hate to sound like if I'm bashing it because in my review I'm like, here's the problem. Oh my god, the prices. I'm like. These yeah. are like I I want to listen. I want to grab a OnePlus Nine Pro and I want to set it next to this phone, and I'm gonna be like, "This is a comparison between the Nine Pro and the Pixel Six Pro." And I just want you to know that the winner is the Six Pro. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> and that's gonna be the video. Thirty seconds. Why on earth would you buy a OnePlus Nine Pro right now with that Pixel Six Pro? Oh my God, there is no logical sense for anybody to throw any money. Like, I'm like, dude, the $599 for the Pixel 6? I'm like, these are say. the new flagship killers. Like, what can compete with that right now? Like, nothing. Yeah. They've drawn like the nothing. line in the sand because if any phone, who said this? Was it was it on the was it the Verge that 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 said this? I'm trying to remember where I heard this line. But Google yeah. drew the line in the sand that if any smartphone doesn't match up to a $599 dollar pixel six it's not worth yeah. that extra money no no and so that's the thing i'm like wait what i remember so i remember getting this information like pretty early before we were like before we got the units and so when they told me the price i was like wait what mm -hmm. i'm like this phone can be trash like the hardware can be trash and because i know i can trust google when it comes to the camera and the software is going to be Android, I mean, it's it can't be that bad. I'm like, this is gonna be the new flagship killer. The Pixel 6, if I had to narrow down and say which is the best value phone you can buy right now, this moment, it is the Pixel 6, not even the Pro. It would be the Pixel 6. Hmm. Well, there you go. I think that pretty much summarizes it all. Um, even I've... if I hate the user interface, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like developers, please root the damn thing and show me how to get my Pixel launcher on it, and I will literally, I'll, I'll give you all a beer. Get on it, forums. Um, so yeah, you know what? Like this is a whole different conversation. I'm just going to put this here as we end this episode. I wonder what a six A will bring to the table because you never know. Oh God, that'd be so good. If they Indeed, make it small. <laughs>
All of the links to find myself and Jaime across the interwebs are found in the show notes. With all that said, you can head on over to pocketnow.com for the latest headlines, find PocketNow on social media at PocketNow, and then go to youtube.com slash PocketNow for video content that's basically coming out every single day. With all that said, though, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the PocketNow Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and for hanging out with us in this episode, and we will see you in the next one.